Of course, it is Monday, and I'm joined on the phone now by Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you feeling here today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's Monday, so I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things here after a weekend of doing a whole lot of nothing. Uh, have you been able to keep yourself busy while everyone else is cooped up, or what? <laughs> Nope, I've been doing a whole lot of nothing as well, oh, but man. it's yeah. nice for a break. <laughs> yeah, it's nice for a break, but this break is starting to get a little bit long, I think, for too many people out there. All right, well, let's get down to some business here. Um, a man gets a distracted driving charge for having his phone in his lap. Um, so, yeah, you, you brought this case to my attention here the other day. Uh, just a bit of an interesting one in the fact that, you know, he hits the brakes, the phone falls to the floor, he picks it up and subsequently gets a ticket. He, he argues that he was not using his phone, um, you know, at the time he just had it on his lap, but his appeal, of course, is dismissed. So just in terms of the rules when it comes to using a device, I mean, this is kind of, I guess, the, the whole issue around what is the definition of distracted driving when it comes to a device? Because he wasn't using it, but he was still holding it. So what is the line here? Where, where is the line to, to draw when it comes to uh, a device being used that, uh, you know, like you said, it wasn't using it. It's was probably a black screen, but it was, in fact, in his hands. I mean, this, this does sound like distracted driving, even if he wants to argue he wasn't actually using his phone. Yeah, I mean, this is this is where the line is, and how it shows how fine the line is. Because, of course, we know from previous cases that you and I have discussed, um, having your phone sitting on your lap isn't using your phone. But as soon as the phone fell off his lap and he bent down and picked it up with his hands to move it out of the way of the brake, he committed the offense. Um, and so that's exactly how nuanced the definition of use is in British Columbia. Having it on your lap is fine. Having it in your hand because it potentially poses a danger is not fine. Now, I guess, is this just a case of it being a phone in this particular instance? Like I was saying um, in the intro, you know, would this still be distracted driving if, say, he had a, a burger on his lap and he hit the brakes and that goes flying on the floor and he had to pick that up? I mean, really, he would still be just as distracted as he would picking up his phone, but would he still get that distracted driving charge for having, uh, you know, a different item other than a cell phone in this case? He wouldn't. If this were anything other than electronic an electronic device, he wouldn't receive a charge or a ticket. I mean, it would be a very big stretch for a police officer to ticket somebody for driving without due care and attention because an object they had in their lap that wasn't electronic fell and they bent down to pick it up, um, which kind of also reveals to some extent a bit of the absurdity um, in the law because it doesn't require you to actually be doing anything that's distracting you in your ability to drive. It just requires you to be touching the device with your hands, um, which in circumstances like this seems almost ridiculous. Now, you know, you, you talked a little bit there too in the, in the initial response about, you know, what if there was some sort of uh, an obstruction to, to your ability to use your pedals, right? Your brakes or your gas as a result of something flying on the floor. So if your phone somehow flew out of your cup holder or wherever the heck it was and it went, you know, in some way to uh, potentially, you know, cause an obstruction towards a, a braking device or a brake pedal in this case, I mean, would that still be a distracted driving charge if you were to just basically trying to remove it from your obstruction in order to be able to actually use the brakes, which is, of course, a, a major safety component when you're driving? Is that still distracted? 
It, it wouldn't be if there was an actual danger that was posed by the phone in this case. And, and, and this was what the individual in this case had tried to argue. He tried to argue that he had the defense of necessity to holding the phone because it was necessary for him to move it out of the way of the brake in the event that it got stuck under the brake while he was trying to brake and prevented him from braking properly and causing an accident. The problem is that in order to raise the defense of necessity, the peril that you're in, the danger, can't be theoretical. It has to be actually real, and you have to be at risk of imminent peril. So you have to take that action or risk serious bodily or, or, or physical harm um, to others or to yourself. That's the defense of necessity. And because the harm that he was trying to avoid was only theoretical at that point, he didn't qualify for raising that defense. But there are circumstances, theoretically, where, where it would be possible to say I was holding my phone because it was posing a danger and I needed to move it to save my life or save somebody else's life. That sounds like it would probably be a pretty difficult defense to argue, though. I mean, just there's a lot of things that seem to be kind of working against you when you're when you're trying to make that case. It sounds like. Oh, absolutely! It would be very, very difficult defense to raise, and it would apply in only a very small percentage of cases that exist. So the likelihood of anybody ever actually being in the circumstances that would lead to them having to make that defense is so slim as to render it extremely unlikely that we'll ever see it in any of our courts. Now, uh, moving on a little bit from that, I wanted to ask about, you know, roadside suspensions or just license suspensions in general. It doesn't have to be a roadside one. Um, you know, is this a good time for people to be receiving those? I mean, there's never a good time, but you know what I mean? Like while we're going through COVID-19 and there's, uh, you know, people who are really only driving, hopefully anyway, they're only really driving for necessary reasons, whether it be to get to work or to go get groceries or, uh, you know, just whatever emergency situation arises that they need to use their vehicle. That's hopefully the only reason that they're needing to use it. So with that in mind, is it a good time or is it a bad time really to take away uh, someone's ability to drive? I mean, um, you just, I'm just trying to think of it on a, on a, on a you know, per person who needs their vehicle to use, to, to, to do their errands. Um, and I mean, we've, we've talked about this before, the need for people to, to use their vehicles for certain things, and it might not be a good reason to, to give them a roadside suspension or to give them a, a three or four month suspension because uh, they need their vehicle to live their lives. Um, this seems like a really difficult one here for me just during COVID-19 because it might be the best time for people to be sitting at home and not using their vehicles. But if they do need it, um, you know, it's pretty important that they have that ability to do so right now. So just I'm, I'm just curious kind of where you stand on the issue of people receiving um, suspended licenses at this point in time. I mean, should they be really arguing for their for their reason for needing a license at this time more than ever if, if they were to be handed a suspension? Yes, absolutely. And the courts have even recognized this. There was a case that came out uh, early last week um, where an individual was about to be given a roadside suspension. She'd appealed it. She was unsuccessful in the appeal. And the court says, now is not the time to be putting somebody on public transit who needs to be driving in the course of their work. And there was evidence that her work was something that would be continuing in the face of COVID-19. Um, and so, the court declined to impose the driving prohibition right away, which is what ordinarily would happen, and instead says we're going to uh, prevent the driving prohibition from starting until the end of April, to essentially to give time for this crisis hopefully to pass. Um, and if more times needed, then the parties can work it out between themselves. But now is not a good time to be putting people on public transit and exposing them to greater risks um, because of the COVID-19 outbreak. So the courts are even taking that into consideration. 
But that sounds like it's probably pretty dependent on the person receiving a suspension to make sure that they prove that they do really, in fact, need their, their vehicle. Because, like I was saying, I do think, you know, there's a lot of people who maybe were just going out to run a quick errand, and that's why they were in their car, and maybe they got a suspension uh, while doing whatever it was at the time where they were just going to run that simple errand. And, you know, they don't really need their vehicle very much right now, and it's kind of a perfect time to be sitting at home and not driving. So yeah. is it really important in these kinds of situations to prove your your real need for your vehicle during a time like this? It is. And and obviously, if you're a person who's an essential services worker, if you're an employee at a grocery store, if you're a, a nurse or a doctor, if you're providing some type of service that can't be shut down right now um, while we're all going through this pandemic, um, then you should be definitely disputing your driving prohibition because the, the courts and the tribunals have to take those factors into consideration and they have to make a decision that um, considers your personal circumstances and public safety. And if you're providing a service that's necessary for public safety right now, then taking away your license, um, even if it's justified, might not be the best decision in the interest of public safety, and you could have a good defense to a driving prohibition. All right. I think that's good advice for anyone listening who might have any concerns along these lines. A couple minutes left here, Kyla, so I did want to ask one more thing here, just in relation to, to we have talked, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, I believe, about, you know, concerns about COVID-19 entering the prison system and just what that would do to inmates you know how rapidly this thing could potentially move through a jail if it were to in fact be there we saw on uh, Thursday the first confirmed case at the Okanagan Correctional Facility um, but I just wanted to tie it back to a situation at Edmonton where a prisoner lost his phone privileges for speaking to the media about his concerns about how COVID-19 uh, could be impacting the facility there so I just wanted to ask about your concerns when we're talking about obviously there's a major issue when it comes to COVID-19 potentially running through the prison system but when a prisoner is just trying to voice their opinion opinion and voice their concern about how things are being handled and then loses their phone privileges as a result. I mean, how concerned are you when you see stuff like this happening when uh, clearly there's a, a public health risk um, at, at, in effect here? I'm incredibly concerned about hearing about prisoners being disciplined for speaking to members of the media or for speaking out about their rights when they're in jail. Just because you're in jail doesn't mean that you have to be put at an increased risk in a pandemic. And by punishing people who are saying, we're at an increased risk because the, the government and correction services aren't doing you know X or doing this thing that's putting us in, in greater danger, those people shouldn't have to face consequences for saying that. We need those people to speak out. And it reminds me a lot of, of that situation that we saw unfold in the U.S. over the last couple of weeks with the naval ship that had the COVID-19 outbreak and the uh, the commander of the ship being fired uh, as a result of, of speaking out and being a whistleblower about this. You know, people who shouldn't be punished for speaking out are being punished. And, and I find that absolutely reprehensible. Yeah, I got a lot of issues with it as well, especially as someone who relies on people coming forward and, and speaking what their concerns are to us. I mean, that's something that we want to encourage and not and not try to muzzle people from doing. So definitely some issues there. Thank you so much for your time, Kyla. Always love talking to you and uh, lots of good stuff there as well. Um, appreciate you coming on and doing this and hopefully we can catch up again next Monday. I know it's Easter Monday, but uh, I'm still going to be here. So hopefully we can chat then. Absolutely. Thank All you right. for having me. Right on. That was Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee.